0: From GRNE Solar, this? This. this is What's Up. Uh, we now welcome on Mr. Chris Stearns. How are we doing, Chris? Doing very well. Thanks uh, for having me on today. Of course. Chris uh, works with Cascade Eco Minerals, and, uh, it's, or CEM, as I'm going to call it for the rest of the time that we're talking here. It's going to roll off the tongue a bit easier. Uh, and Chris works specifically with recycling at CEM and recycling of solar modules, actually. So we're super excited to talk to you because this has been one that's been requested by our audience a ton. And in the industry as a whole, everybody wants to know are solar panels recyclable? Number one. And then number two, how do you recycle them? Because in that green industry, of course, we want everything to be sustainable as possible. So we're excited really to talk to you today and, and learn a little bit. You want to give us just a little bit of background on yourself, how you work, you know, started working with CEM, kind of what you guys do. Sure. No,
1: and I appreciate the uh, the intro. And basically, my story is kind of, I think, like a lot of other people in the industry. I, I jumped in in 2006 kind of by accident selling roof mounting hardware for solar modules. Uh, that company was EcoFasten, um, mm-hmm. and that has since been sold to uh, to Azdec. so they're kind of consolidating things there. Um, and kind of bounced around. I ended up at S5, another roof mounting hardware company for standing sea metal roofs. And then I started working for Sonapar out here where I am now in Portland, Oregon, uh, for a company called North Coast and distribution. So I've seen kind of both manufacturing and distribution side. Mm-hmm. And well, in my my previous role at North Coast, I kind of identified the issue that I've been wondering about since 2006, which is what's going to happen to all these modules that I'm helping to deploy in all these various ways. And so I ended up speaking with the guy who's now my boss, Kurt Spivey, about solar module recycling in, in terms of how we could work with him as a distributor. And eventually, as I got to know more of the story and saw the potential for what they're actually able to do here at Cascade, got excited about working for these guys. And so, about a year after we met, started had that conversation, and here I am.
0: No kidding, I love it. It's wow. I, it's great that you were in the industry the whole time and saw. Yeah. I mean, you 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 did what so many of us have thought like, and I should really identify a problem here. And then go uh, solve it. <laughs> it really does, except for yourself. So kudos to you on that.
1: No, I, I appreciate it. It's, it was, you know, one of those things where my previous manager, when I kind of let him know that I was moving on, he's like, oh, that's that's a fledgling industry. You're really going to have to work to, to build this up. And I was like, yeah, well, there, you know, no one else is really doing this right now in the way that I see that Cascade is. And that, that's what I got excited about is there's a lot of people distributing solar right now. There's not a lot of people doing what we do.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. So. right fill us in a little bit then on what it is you guys are doing at cascade with these solar panels. i know when you and i talked a couple of weeks ago it's not recycling of the entire module right it's just kind of the glass in the front correct
1: well and that's actually it's interesting that has even evolved in the past couple of weeks as we continue Uh to find new downstream sort you know places to to send the material to um but in, in the most basic sense what we're doing is deconstructing the solar module. So the the easiest piece is to, you know, remove the connector wires, remove the junction box in the frame, all the sort of extraneous pieces that you see when you handle a solar module. But the way that it really works and what sets Cascade apart is we've partnered with Dilubic specialty glass. And and Dilubic is one of the largest glass processors in the United States. And what they're able to do is with their plant, um, specifically, I, I went there last week to upper Sandusky, Ohio, once we remove basically the frame, the connector wires, that junction box, they're able to take and process the remaining laminate, uh, removing essentially the back sheet, that EVA. Um, they're mm-hmm. able to separate out the glass, which is really what the Lubic is after. They're after all this good solar glass. Um, and then they're able to separate all the constituent parts into various downstream materials. So what we found is there are actually ways through you know, different vendors that we work with to repurpose or reuse that EVA, either for you know cogeneration or even you know other opportunities where we can actually sell it into different markets of you know people who are processing circuit boards. It's very similar material to that, and a lot of it has you know these rare earth minerals or I guess heavy metals that are coming off of the cell. Some of that stays on the EVA. And so there is a recoverable value there. So as of today, we're really, we're recycling, I'd say 99 or hundred percent of the module based on what we've been able to do.
2: Wow, wow, that's, yeah, that is incredible.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been exciting to see. And, you know, granted it's a messy process I have actually seen it in person versus having it described, but the, the fact remains is that the, the resulting glass, again, the material they're really looking for, that's coming out. I mean, that's about 80% of a given crystalline solar modules weight is glass. And, and Delubic is, you know, excited to be able to extract as much of it as they're able to.
0: I bet. I bet. So, they want yeah. everything. That's crazy because, I mean, literally, like you said, we talked a couple of weeks ago and it was just like, yeah, we're pretty much working glass. And then we have worked with other foundries to get the rest of the, the materials out. And then now, now it's, you guys have built the entire thing. You're, you're moving quick. You're not oh, wasting yeah. any time.
1: Well, it, it's been remarkable too, because, you know, just these past couple of weeks have been very formative in that sense. But even since I've started speaking with Kurt in the past, say, year and a half, you know, I've watched the process evolve. Um, to to the point that it is today. And I expect that even, you know, in the next few months, there's going to continue to be evolutions of how we're handling material and just maximizing what we're able to recover, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, to increase our profitability and lower our costs to the end user.
0: Yeah. Do you think there is an upper limit as far as like the recoverability? Like, is there potential for 100% to be recovered or is there some things that you just can't recycle? I
1: I would say tentatively that we're we're more or less at that, you know, right on that edge of 100% right now. I think what's going to improve, especially here in the States where we don't have the funding to do this through the government, the way that things are happening in in Europe, Um, but really what we're missing, I would say, is maybe not the right word, but we need to find better ways to basically get the cell material and recover more of the material from the cell out because it's so brittle recovering mm. it in the in the mechanical process that we're doing we're not really getting as much of it out of there as the Europeans are they're actually removing the glass in a separate process and trying to extract as much of the cell as possible because the you know the the metallurgical grade pv silicon that they're getting out of it has a higher resale value than it does as just glass and so mm. i think you know over the next months and years that will be, you know, a focus for us here at CEM is to recover more cell material and, and make use of that.
0: Okay, that makes sense. But then it sounds like pretty much everything in that can be recovered and can be put in and and then you know essentially end up at one point down the line is like a totally recycled solar module.
1: That, that, that's accurate. We actually some of our industrial partners are actually you know making float glass that is sold back into the domestic module market. So we are seeing you know the first fledgling stages of that circular economy everybody's talking about, and we're expecting that to grow. So I
2: love it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So uh, Chris, I guess, you know, um, you know, I've I've been working in the solar industry for a few years and, you know, that's been just something that, you know, clients, you know, ask me about, you know, colleagues ask me about, you know, what, uh, you know, how, basically how it's done and some of the, you know, supply chain impacts that would result from recycling panels. Um, can you give me a little bit of insight as to how, you know, the actual, you know, how you actually recycle the panels, you know, whether it's the glass or the, you know, the actual silicon itself?
1: Sure. Well, I think that the key thing here to understand is that from the, the perspective of a glass processor, because again, we, we've partnered, we, we work on the same campus as this glass processor, Delubic, the um, what they're hoping to get out of this is, is the raw glass. And right. so ultimately, they're able to repurpose that into a number of different you know, options down the road and, and recombine it. That's where the minerals part of our name comes from is really, you know, seeking out these minerals and recombining them with other sources of waste glass. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that addresses the, the question directly, but that's really the, the process of basically refining the glass from its its whole form down into this, you know, particulate is is basically what the recycling process looks like. And I can describe it. It's It would be simpler to show you pictures, but it's really It's hard to, I was in the plant last week and taking pictures and video doesn't really convey what's actually happening, but basically we shred the the laminates. So, so picture, you know, a 72 cell module or a 60 cell module without the frame, we shred it into a piece, maybe the size of, you know, an adult hand. And then that, that pre-shred it's called goes through several steps to basically remove as much of that EVA back sheet and that EVA laminate within that, that material, mm-hmm. and then to separate out the glass. And then the glass is further refined. And depending on what that is destined for, uh, determines basically how fine we grind that material, um, which I can get into in more detail later, or even now if we wanted to, but the, the fineness of the resulting grind mm-hmm. sort of determines which downstream partner we sell that material to.
0: Okay. okay. What would be like what kind of, not to go too deep into that part, but like what industry needs the finest grind?
1: So it's interesting. And I know just enough about this to be dangerous because I'm new okay. to the glass business. But basically, okay. my understanding is that, for example, one of our uh, bigger downstream partners it, it manufactures fiberglass. There are several companies we work with that manufacture fiberglass and they're running these you know, spinning devices to, to make fiberglass. And if you haven't seen it, looking up fiberglass production on like YouTube is really fascinating. It's like yeah. cotton candy. Um, but to get the material, that the, the raw, fresh glass that they're buying from other vendors up to a temperature requires a certain amount of energy. And by using some of our material that's already ground up, that's recycled, they're able to achieve that working temperature with less energy. So essentially, they're able to use it in a way to kind of, you know, stoke the process along with their, their raw virgin glass. They're able to add in this ground glass and, and increase their efficiency. Um, and so that, that's a good downstream for us. Um, we actually, I say we, Delubic has a plant that makes road beads. And I was not, I did not know what road beads were. I think I may have touched on this when we spoke initially.
0: Yeah, talked a little bit about it, I think.
1: And, and I actually got to touch them last week. They're, they're tiny little spheres of glass. Um, picture the end of like a mechanical pencil, uh, very fine spheres. And what these are used for is they're sprayed on highway road lines, uh, basically to through you know reflection or refraction um, and some physics teacher somewhere just, you know, <laughs> shuddered because I got that wrong. Inevitably. <laughs> um, but basically, these increase the reflectivity of the lines on the highway so that, you know, you, you get higher visibility. And so that's a major you know, place that we end up putting a lot of this glass. Um, and then the other one that, that's interesting to me, and again, this is sort of new from the R&D department at the Lubeck, um, but they're, they're experimenting with finer grinds, basically grinding the, the glass material into something that almost resembles like a talcum powder. And that's used in a number of different industries. Um, it's used as a concrete additive. It's used in, you know, different, anywhere where you need a very fine glass. Um, again, in certain processes where they're heating glass, that material can be used almost as a flux. Um, and so there's, there's all these different downstreams where the glass ends up. And then finally, you know, like I touched on, we, we also sell to these float glass plants, um, that are making it into new sheets of glass, like you would picture, you know, in your window or in your, you know, your car or whatever else. They're they're making glass like that, too.
0: That's that's wow. it's crazy. There are so many different places for it to go to. And I remember us talking about the road beads, too, because mm-hmm. in my, that always kind of blew my mind that there's like, oh, there's a little glass in there. It makes right. way more sense than like the way I was trying to explain it was just, yeah, the paint that they use is just reflective somehow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and, and same here, you know, I, I for years assumed, you know, and I guess maybe I just picked this up when I was a kid I was like oh that's super reflective paint never thought twice about it and it
0: is
1: (laughs) but yeah it's these these little glass beads add to that reflectivity so it's it's fascinating and that's that's kind of what pulled me in is hearing what was actually happening to the material that this this you know this recycling process has all these downstream places where the glass ends up um, and they have I wouldn't say an inexhaustible demand for it but it's you know with all these different industrial partners we have a lot of places to shift glass to
0: yeah. And I mean, in the coming wow. years, there's going to be a lot more glass coming. Right. It, it, the current problem that you know has been in the industry is like, people have been installing panels for a long, long time, but it's really picked up in the last, say, 10 years-ish. Sure. So like in another 10, you know, 5, 10, 15 out you know, years, you have a lot of early generation solar modules that are now coming towards end of life. That, like we got, when we put those in, the idea was just like, I don't know, we'll figure it out by the time they're like end of their life. And then now you're just going to have so much of this. Like,
1: well, and it's, it's something, you know, when I, you know, I started in 2006, like I said, and, you know, having this conversation with various, you know, colleagues and bosses over the years, like what's going to happen to all these modules? And they're like, I oh, don't worry about it. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, we're coming to a time where not only are we reaching true end of life where modules are at their 20, 25 year lifespan, some of the early ones, but we're seeing more and more where projects are being repowered or repanellized, where, you know, an older 150 or 180 watt module is being replaced with a brand new 400 or 450 for less than the original one cost. And so what we're seeing is these panels being retired with no real viable way for them to be disposed of. And so we see some of them and it's also sort of kickstarted the refurbishment and reuse industry in the United States of, you know, these modules still produce power. And how can they be reused? Where can they be sold? Because there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of these modules that are coming to, you know, that proverbial end of life, even before they're truly done.
0: Oh yeah. 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 I mean, like farms too, it's going to be insane.
1: Oh, sure. No. And that's we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg on that right now where, you know, these very large installations, even, you know, when they're going through and doing maintenance, that might be several thousand modules that are replaced. And that's, you know, 1% of that or that farm. So um, we, we see those a lot as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, on that, on that topic, you know, when, when you know, uh, existing solar fields are being you know, swapped out or, you know, homeowners are taking the old ones down and putting new ones on. Do you have a good idea of, you know, we're talking about downstream, but do you have a good idea of, you know, where the majority of your, you know, recycled panels come from? You know, is it, is it these large scale, you know, utility scale, or is it, you know, homeowners? Where where do a lot of these materials come from?
1: It's it's a great question. And I think that the the easy answer is that the percentages lean towards industrial and utility applications just based on the sheer volume of those installations. But we're also starting to work with distribution um, companies like CED Green Tech and Baywa. Um, because we right. have their end users, their customers, whether they're commercial or residential or even some utility scale customers, they are offering a service basically as you know a turnkey solution to their customers. So we see, I'd say about, and the, the ballpark numbers here probably seventy five percent are coming off of large ground mount systems, and maybe twenty five percent are coming out of residential and small commercial.
0: Okay. Wow. That's nice. yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> so is that kind of the main? strategy then for you guys to get in with like those distributors so you can get down to the lower levels? Or are you planning on anything larger to like almost a waste management type of thing where you got the trucks going around and been like, Hey, hey solar panels, we after solar panels. I
1: mean, it's <laughs> without tipping my hand too far. It's, it's a little bit of everything. Um, frankly, what we're trying to do and really the rationalization for companies like Delubic and companies like CEM is volume. With, with recycling, the only way to really become profitable is to approach the market with a, a low profit margin and just depend on huge volume to carry you through. And so we're trying to set ourselves up not only to handle the residential waste from, you know, from companies that are in distribution or even installers. We also want to get in front of, you know, the, the waste managements and companies like them um, to, to work with whomever we can to, to just get as many modules through the door as possible.
0: Right, I mean, because from a like an installer perspective, Connor and I know every single day, like it, it's going to hit a point where we have customers coming back to us that is like, okay, what do I do? And sure. the first place we're going to go is a distributor. So I think it's really smart for you guys to get in with like CED and get in with Baywa, because all the companies that they supply are going to go back to them and say, what do we do now? Right. And, and then they right. can have you guys and like essentially, you could almost create yourself as like the Kleenex of the industry. Well, like, and that's recycle, yeah, CEM.
1: <laughs> it's funny, I, I had more or less that ex- I, say, I think I said that exact phrase a couple of weeks ago in a management meeting. So that, that really is what we're looking to do is to become ubiquitous. Um, and I've been using the the, I guess it's more or less my slogan now, but it's what my mother told me when I moved out is that you need a, you buy a plunger before you need one and what what we're trying to set up is that infrastructure now as it's just that need is starting to come about we want people to be able to turn to their trusted distributors or to you know work with their waste management companies or you know even just getting in front of these state trade organizations and letting people know that we're out here and that we're doing this and we're trying to compete with landfills um you know it's really it's you know it's about education and making sure people know that this is a viable option today in the united States because. Frankly, when I went looking for a company like this, I had no idea that this was happening. And so it's, you know, I'm trying to, you know, take this passion that I have for solar and for recycling and seeing this industry continue and not have this black eye of landfills on us, uh, Just you know, get out right. there and tell people this is possible.
0: Yeah. No, that, yeah. That makes sense. They try to get in there. And like, so do you guys, are you planning? And, and if you're, you know, if this is tip of the hand too much, and you want to keep it secret, you can tell me. Um, But like getting in with some of the manufacturers as well, because I'm sure they have a certain amount of kind of just loss from their manufacturing process or shipping that comes back broken, anything like that, that they're they can't repair and they just send it to you guys for recycle right away.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I can say I don't think I can name names because we have reciprocal NDAs with these companies, but we already work with most of the manufacturers who have facilities in the United States. Um, We receive their, you know, their grade modules that they couldn't warranty as a grade. Um, we also see, you know, wafer and cells and everything else that just is, you know, not passing quality control. Mm-hmm. We're kind of a turnkey solution for manufacturers right now. It's a lot of our volume is, is what we're seeing from the manufacturers. So now you, you hit on a good point there. It's like I said, we're, we're trying to see modules and module components from every possible source that we can, because the yeah. more that we process, the more that we can uh, justify continuing to process.
2: Seriously. Wow. When you're dealing with manufacturers or, you know, you know, folks who are trying to recycle their old panels and everything like that, you know, are you, I'm trying, you know, if this is, you know, if you're trying to keep this secret as well, totally understand, but, you know, are you kind of, you know, sending, you know, trucks out, you know, are you handling a lot of logistics, you know, in, you know, basically between bringing the panels off the fields to, you know, the recycling plants where, you know, your downstream partners are working? Because I'm trying to kind of conceptualize how some of the logistics of this system works.
1: Sure. No, and it's again, it's a great question. And it's there, there's no real secret here. It's basically every project is unique. There's no two projects where it's just a cookie cutter approach where we have a set solution. But to to directly address your question, we work with a number of partners who are in that reuse field, who specifically are seeking out, for example, those repowering projects, um, where they'll send a crew into the field, say there's a 1000 modules for the sake of a round number if they're able to recover 700 of those that still have life that are still viable, we will help them, you know, basically handle those other 300 modules. They'll strap them to pallets and send them to us for processing. Mm. Um, And so we have partners where we're seeing things that way. Um, We also work with O&M companies, you know, who have the maintenance contracts on these large solar farms uh, where they'll have a crew again, working directly in the field. We'll take modules in from those sources. So it's kind of, we see modules from, Pretty much every scenario you can imagine, from whether it's a hailstorm or a, you know, if there's a fire, for example, that's happened on a couple of arrays where there was just an issue on a ground mount where some modules, you know, actually caught fire. Um, we see, basically, my inbox is sort of a uh, every every day is an adventure. But it, it's, <laughs> it's,
0: <laughs> all right, what disaster is going to bring me modules today? <laughs> right, where's it, <laughs> the
1: hailstorm today? Is uh, is one of the things. So, um, but no, it's it's really interesting to help people with this problem because there, there's so many examples of why modules might need to be taken out of the field, even even installation scrap. You know, if you're putting in a 300 megawatt solar farm, if you're breaking 1% of those modules, you have thousands of modules that you need to do something with. And especially on those projects, running them down to the landfill on a pickup one load at a time when you have, you know, three truckloads worth, doesn't really make sense, uh, both from a public eye standpoint and from the logistics of having your guys out running around. So, um, again, circling back on the question, a lot of what we do, we we have a, a logistics manager who does nothing but try to get freight quotes and get trucks on site with the right equipment. Whether they need, you know, a lift gate if there's not a forklift on these remote sites. Um, we are always trying to work with our customers and tackle the logistics issues so that it's as smooth as it is possible to, uh, to get these modules out of the field.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. So when you approach these manufacturers or these distributors, or anything, what is their general tone? Like, are they, are they happy to be like, finally, there's somebody to do this? Or are they like, is it, you have to ever kind of almost uh, fight's not the right word, but like convince them to be like, Hey, send us your old stuff. Or are they just all kind of on board?
1: Uh, for the most part, the manufacturers have been extremely excited to have a downstream source because, again, it all depends on how how much public vis- visibility your company has. You know, if you have shareholders or you just have the public eye, those companies especially don't want to be seen as polluting. Um, you know, they don't want to be throwing things in the landfill. Even though, you know, I, I've called landfills around this country, most landfills in this country, without even blinking, will take solar modules from a from a contractor, and so. What we're running into, though, is with those manufacturers, by and large, they're seeking us out and just happy to have found us. Um, and so, you know, there's the typical vendor supplier relations where you know they're always looking for better pricing and better deals. And that, that's part of business with any company. Um, but no, I, I think that w- without really any exceptions I can point to, the manufacturers are, are happy to have a partner that they can count on. And that's what we're
0: doing. Of course. Right? I, I, I expected that to kind of be the answer, but you never know. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes... Some people, you know, may be against it, um, but you do that. That does segue well into a good question: What does it typically cost to like to send off modules for recycling, or or maybe that's not the right way to phrase the question? It may be better as: What does it cost you guys to say recycle that panel? Do you have a metric on that, like?
1: Sure. No, it varies. And again, it, it comes back sort of to that no project is is the same as another. Um, you know, if, if customers are looking for assured destruction where we are destroying everything and giving them a certificate saying that has happened, um, mm-hmm. there typically is a slightly higher price point there, simply because if there is an opportunity for us to, again, work with our refurbishment reuse partners to basically limit the cost of recycling to an end user. So again, in a scenario where there's that nice round number of a thousand modules, if 700 of those are viable, but the customer wants us to destroy them, we're gonna have to charge slightly more for that process than we would if we were able to sell them for a small amount to a reuse company Mm -hmm. and basically mitigate the cost of those other 300 modules. So I'm dancing around the question, more or less the the answer is um, for, for 72 cell modules, depending on the amount, you know, if, if we're dealing with less than a truckload, it's anywhere from 15 to $20 per module for right. sure destruction. Um, for 60 cells, we're looking at probably, say, $13 to $16 per module um, mm-hmm. based, based on volume. So and, and we're always trying to bring those prices lower because, again, at the end of the day, we're competing with landfills who will generally take modules for 80 bucks a ton.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's, well, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough market to be in. But I would imagine it, that in this industry, people are willing to pay a little bit more to make sure that stuff gets recycled. And that it's just right. the of being in a sustainable industry.
1: Well, and that's it. And I think, you know, maybe it's not the best analogy, but it, it has some bearing here in that, you know, early adopters to anything, even solar in the early days, you know, when you're paying four and $5 a watt in the late seventies, the early eighties, and that was just so that you could justify, you know, furthering the industry. Mm-hmm. Some of that, you know, we've seen that where a year ago, the price was almost double. Um, Mm -hmm. for for our recycling and so we're going to continue through market pressure and through innovation watch that price come down Mm -hmm. Um, but right now that is the cost with you know the minimal profit margin that we can justify to you know continue to offer the service yeah right well uh,
0: one of the things I wanted to ask you about too is as far as as recycling goes as as we all know there are more components to solar arrays than just the panels themselves are you guys working on anything to try and recycle pull minerals or materials or anything out of like the inverter systems
1: so yeah, no, that's another, uh, it's an important piece of this. So it is a service that we offer as, as a turnkey. So exa- for example, if you wanted to take down an entire array, whether it's a ground mount or commercial or residential, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. we'll essentially take it all from you. So racking, modules, inverters, whatever might be there, roof attachments, um, because the way we're able to do that, we, the recycling world is not huge. Um, There are different specialties and we work with most of the companies in the recycling world in the United States where, you know, if we have aluminum or we have circuit boards, we have these mutual beneficial relationships with these companies to basically offload that material. So the short answer is yes, we're we're able to basically take in any solar components. We're really at CEM, we're focused on the modules, um, but we can offer that service and do so competitively.
0: It's interesting you say that it's kind of a small industry because for something that is has the volume and capacity to do such large work, it's surprising there are so few people doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's
1: it it was surprising to me too, coming especially from solar distribution where there's a ton of competition. And it's not that there isn't competition. I'm sure that there's you know my competitors are listening to this now. Um, But um, the fact remains is that to invest in the equipment, the R and D, everything that goes into this process you generally are going to be spending millions and millions of dollars. And so if you're going to open up a new facility that's processing nothing but plastic, you better hope that you are working with other recyclers who can, you can exchange materials with. And that's kind of how it tends to work. um, You know, is the, you know, especially in glass, we have companies sending us glass who will take, you know, our, the the reels that the wire comes in on that are all ABS plastic. We got to do something with them. We can't process them in the glass facility. So, it's
0: right. uh, it's just an even trade, like hey, I'll give you like, you know, I'll give you 40 of these glass modules here and you send me 40 of your whatever.
1: You know? Oh, exactly. And it's you know, we get preferential pricing and basically it's it's you know, like I said, it's mutually beneficial. We have these partners who we work with and uh, it seems to work well.
0: I love it. Is there anybody like anybody in the industry that's trying to do all of it? Like is like trying to circumvent the whole thing or um, I mean, with rare
1: exceptions, recycling companies tend to have a focus. So they're either focused on e-waste or, or ferrous and non-ferrous metals or glass. And I don't know of a company that's trying to do everything. Um, you know, like I said, we, we are offering the service, but we're certainly not doing it all in-house. And so I'm confident someone may come along that's trying to do that. Um, but again, it's you're investing in multiple facilities to process all these different waste streams.
0: Okay. Yeah. I don't know if somebody wanted to try and become like the, just the giant super company. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're, they're, they're out there. I mean, it's especially as this starts to move forward around the world, because the United States is certainly not the only place where this is happening. There, there will be companies, I'm sure, that come out of the woodwork. But I, I still expect that in many cases, focusing on one particular waste stream is probably still going to remain the status quo in the United States
2: shed a lot of light on, you know, a lot of questions that I had regarding, you know, solar manufacturing, you know, obviously working in the industry, that's one of the biggest things where, you know, I've always wondered, okay, hey, you know, are we just, you know, in 25 years with these systems we're putting up, are we just throwing these into a landfill? So, you know, and and it's, it's really great to see that, you know, companies like, you know, CEM are actually, you know, starting to uh, put a lot of thought into how we are going to know process these materials and really doing the forward thinking that you know a lot of other people maybe aren't so so much doing
1: for sure no and i think you know as sort of a parting note if there was one thing that could really further recycling of of solar modules in the united states is limiting the ability to throw these in the landfill Um, Mm -hmm. as long as it's cheap and easy to, to run them down to the landfill that's going to be a thing that happens and so you know if we see that happen if landfill bans are put in place it'll benefit us. And so I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that that's not you know, something that CEM would benefit from. Uh, No, that's
0: terrible, darn. <laughs> oh, don't do
1: that. But really what we see it doing is it would, ultimately it would create a lot of competitors for us, but it would further the industry because it would force innovation. It would drive prices down. It would make landfills obsolete. But right now, as long as it's 50 to 80 bucks a ton to, to drop modules off in the landfill, that's frankly, that's, a, that's our biggest competition. You know, I'm not really so much worried about other recycling companies. I think there's plenty for everybody. Although of course, my boss is probably shuddering to hear me say that. Um, but I mean, the fact is, is if we're competing with landfills, it's hard for recycling to really shine. And so that's what we're hoping to, to help change here in the coming years.
0: That makes sense. And how would, right. uh, give us a, a couple of, you know, throw out, how can, how can we help you know, promote where do we, where do we find you? What do people do to, you know, go contact you guys and, and, you know, support the cause and, and getting the name out there.
1: Sure. No. And again, I think the single biggest thing is just education is having people know who we are. So we're, we're, you know, cascadeecominerals.com. And you can always check us out there and, you know, just working with your, your state and local groups, everybody, you know, wants all this to happen at the federal level. I think it really is going to happen at the state level. Um, and we're actively joining groups like CalSA and COSA and all these state CA type organizations just to, so people know we're out here, and that they can help to influence their legislatures and you know things like that, so that we can piecemeal this together and hopefully get the attention of the feds at some point. But we're not holding our breath.
0: <laughs> you never know sure. of these days. Yeah. Send us any yeah. links and everything you have. We'll post your uh, your website and then any uh, like social media pages, and whatnot, in the uh, in our the note section of the sure. podcast the episode, and any links of you know supporting causes we'll put all that in there and we really encourage our, all of our listeners to get out and support this and just get the word out there, especially, you know, if they want to call landfills and and just pester them to ban putting solar modules in them, like, Hey, that works too.
1: Right No, And it's, I think it's, it's going to take a village on this, but we're all, I think that's the beauty of solar is that everybody who's in this industry has a similar goal. Hopefully is that, you know, we're not just here to make money. We're also here to try to, you know, help limit the effect we have on the planet. Sure. Um, and so, yeah i think that, and it's, that's
0: for literally the benefit of everybody so i don't know how anybody can be against it
1: exact,
0: exactly exactly right. well chris thank you so much for joining us today we we'll definitely have to uh, hop back on and follow up at some point